Today we are going to be discussing the specific prophecies behind the birthplace of Jesus. The Old Testament prophecies are so specific about the exact location where Jesus would be born and also how he would be brought up and who his people would be. That's what we're going to be discussing today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. This is Christ, Culture, and Coffee, a podcast designed to help equip Christians to be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. Welcome to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. I'm your host, Robbie Lashua, and I'm here with my co-host, Tyler Hurley. Yeah, we're super excited to get into another topic on prophecy today. We are. And this podcast, if you're new to our show, what we're about is equipping Christians to be able to defend their faith and to be confident in their faith. And we're doing that through apologetics. So today we're going to be looking at prophecy in the Old Testament and how it relates to who Jesus was, where he was born, and actually how he was brought up. So I'm really looking forward to this episode and um, to being back into our Christmas prophecy series. Yes, yes. But before we get into to the topic for today. If you could go ahead and go on social media, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and then now on YouTube, where you can find all sorts of videos and content that we don't have on the podcast specifically. You're going to find a lot of quick, short reference videos that give you some inside information towards specific apologetics topics that we don't necessarily discuss on the show. Yeah, we want to help equip people, like I said, to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. And um, YouTube is a really great avenue to do that. Um, We actually were on there today and we were categorizing our videos. We've got a playlist of that's for beginners, beginner's guides to certain things. We've got a playlist that's for terminology. We've got a playlist on there that's for the worst things you could do so you know what to avoid. That's right. There are a whole bunch of different um, um, playlist categories of videos, and we make them so that you can be ready to go out and, and tell people about Jesus. And you can also know that Christianity is true. That it's, it's yeah. real. It's not a fairy tale we're believing in. So we would love for you to get on YouTube, to join us on Instagram, to interact with us. Um, we, we, we love talking with people and hearing your comments, suggestions. And, and hopefully yeah, if, you, yeah. if you send us any suggestions about the show, we could make a show about it. We've done that a lot with uh, listeners true. who send us ideas or questions about stuff. So yeah, we love having extra that. input because uh, – yeah, we love having the input because when we get – more feedback from those of you who are listening, we kind of get an understanding of what you want, more Mm -hmm. content that is geared and directed towards what your needs are. And so that's, that's the goal of the podcast too, like we said, to equip Christians, be able to defend their faith and be confident in their faith. And we want to be directing that towards topics that you want to know more about. Yeah, absolutely. So that is, that is what we want to be doing. So make sure you get involved, uh, get connected with us so that way we can hear what you have to say. Yep. All right, well, let's get into it today. Um, Actually, we're going to do something we haven't done in a few episodes. Coffee tip. That's right. People have been asking. Uh, we've been getting some some. <laughs> what's the, what's the what's the millennial term for it? Shade thrown. Uh, oh that yeah, a thing? yeah. Do Throw people some say shade. that? Yeah, yeah. Throw some okay. shade. That's I, I keep thinking like sunglasses when people say that. But what it means for those of you who aren't up on the millennial lingo, it means um, they're um, making fun of or discrediting. Right? Would you say that's a fair? Word I, to I'd say, say throwing yeah. shade. Yeah. 
<laughs> anyway. basically, basically saying like, "What? What's up? What? Like, what? Like, yeah, why are you doing that? It's like a, it's, yeah. So throwing <laughs> shades not a not a great thing to do. It's kind of a derogatory <laughs> thing to do. So those of you who were throwing shade at us on our Instagram account, uh, no, it wasn't bad. They weren't they weren't being mean about it. it but people were saying, "What's the deal? Why no coffee tip this episode?" We had a few people yeah, get onto yeah. a couple of different episodes, and we were actually testing it out to see if anybody cares. Yes, we did that to kind of just leave it alone. <laughs> See if anyone noticed or if no one would say anything. Yeah, but, be- because mm-hmm. we've had people say, hey, I, I fast forward the coffee tip every time. Well, yeah, I've heard that, that too. Do. And so we were like, okay, yeah. forget it. And so we moved it to the end to see if people just, you know, stop listening. It was like, when okay, we get to well, it. And, but a few of you out there obviously care. And yeah, so here we are. Right. We've listened to the people. Yes, social that's right. media has spoken. The shade has been thrown. See, that's what we mean. We we that's why we want to get connected with you because mm-hmm. see, like you tell us these things. You're influencers. I mean, sometimes sometimes you're wrong, and you know we we <laughs> we figure that out. But you know, it works. It works. It does. <laughs> so this time we're gonna start this episode with a coffee tip because this is Christ's culture and coffee. That's right. And here it is. Um, I got an email the other day from uh, the Dave Ramsey Network. If you don't know them, they do a great job with uh, finance information and getting out of debt and investing and all this stuff. But anyways, they sent this email out and it said 10 hacks for saving money uh, at your local coffee shop. And I thought, I like to save money and I love my local coffee shop. So I checked it out. And as as I was was reading through their tips, I thought everyone already knows this stuff. Like this is common knowledge. (laughs) I've been doing this for years because I've been trying to save money at coffee shops. But... I thought maybe people don't know it, right? Maybe I've known it for a long time, but we should share our knowledge with other people. I like so it. I want to give you a couple of ideas that you can uh, save a lot of money with whatever coffee shop you go to. So here, here's the general point. Black coffee is always cheaper than the specialty drinks at any coffee shop. Oh, right. And in our past episodes, we've talked about how, you know, Tyler, black coffee has more caffeine in it than espresso drinks do. Because like a latte, what is it? Yeah. It's espresso and milk, and then you can get flavoring in it. Right, like so there's more vanilla. stuff in it. Yeah, there's more extra stuff that's not coffee, mm-hmm. but there's less caffeine in those drinks because there's, they're not full of coffee. They're, there's like one or two shots of espresso. Yeah, that's right. Right? So there's literally more, if you're in it for the caffeine, there's more coffee in the black coffee <laughs> than there is in the specialty drinks. But because black coffee costs so much less than all the milk and sugar and the barista frothing it and all of that that goes into making your vanilla latte, yeah. what you can do, and I've been doing this forever because I want the caffeine and I want to save money. Right. So yeah. what you can do is go to your local coffee shop, order a black coffee, you know, whatever size you're going to get the drip coffee of the day, yeah, and then say, and hey, by the way, could you add vanilla to it or add some mocha syrup? I want two pumps of mocha syrup in there or whatever you want, uh, whatever kind of uh, sweet drink you like, right? Mm. And um, then that costs like, you know, 20 cents more to get that. So you've saved money getting just the coffee. And then you add another 30 cents. It's still cheaper than the five, six, seven bucks you're spending on yeah, your latte. Yeah. And then when they give it to you, you go over to the, uh, to the counter area where there's uh, straws and everything. And you take the half and half that they give yeah. you for free. 
mm-hmm. and you pour it in and you've made your own latte, you know, vanilla latte or whatever that you want. And it tastes the same. Now, the half and half's not frothed and heated, right. but you don't need as much of it either because you generally you're not getting half and half. And there's more coffee in your in latte. There, yeah. And there's more caffeine and you're saving a couple of bucks probably. Yeah, so really yeah. good hack for those of you out there who like saving money, but you can't give up your sweet coffee drinks. Order a black cup of coffee, add whatever syrup you want in there, and then use the free milk that they have at the at the fixing station. And um, you've saved yourself some money, and you've got basically the same drink. So I think I've been doing great. that for a long time because I'm cheap. I haven't actually tried that. Because no? I, yeah, because I, I don't know how to make specific Details, uh, specific drinks. That yeah. I like. Well, let me help you because I know you. I know you like caramel macchiato. I do. Yeah. Okay. So all of that that is the, like a caramel macchiato at you know Starbucks. Right. All it is is it's a vanilla latte with caramel sauce. Right. We talked about that. Yeah. It's not an actual caramel macchiato. No. Like so what they call it. so ask them. <laughs> hey, uh, can I get a can I get a large black coffee? Okay. And I want two pumps of vanilla in it, and I want two pumps of caramel in it. Oh yeah. Done. And that's it. That's and it. Then and the then you go put the it. milk in it. Yeah. Wow, that makes sense. It is. It's it, it's a great tip, and seriously, over the long haul, it'll save you. You know, depending on how much you go, hundreds of thousands of dollars, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. But well, that depends on how much coffee you drink. It does. No, yeah. it really does. But the average person loves loves their coffee. So I, that's. I think that's great. That's yeah, it's a, a good tip. So for those of you out there who are diehard Christ Culture and Coffee <laughs> fans, there is the coffee tip. Christ of the Culture day. and Coffee fans. Coffee. Yeah. Right. There's the hack. Save yourself some money and get the same drink at your local coffee shop. I like it. That Thanks. Was good. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into the topic for today, prophecy. So we we were talking about, the last couple of weeks, we talked about how specific prophecy needs to be. Right. And how the Bible even says in Deuteronomy 18 that if a prophet says he speaks from the Lord and the thing he says is from the Lord doesn't happen, he's not a prophet. Yeah, and then we looked at some false prophecies from guys like Nostradamus, yes. who people culturally... Think and how vague. He, yeah, and how right? vague they are. Yeah, just not not just vague, but like... They're not even similar to what people are claiming that he prophesied. And then you see biblical prophecies, which we also took a look at, and to see how specific the details are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they came t- came to pass, and it's like yes. you look at it, and you you have to see that it can't mean anything else. Like the prophecies line up, and it's yeah. just super cool. And so today we're diving a little deeper into talking about specific prophecies of Jesus, but not just. Jesus himself, but also specifically with his birthplace. Yeah, the specific place he was born. And a lot right. of people are are hip to this. Like, they understand this because this is a really popular Christmas prophecy, It is, right? it is. But Micah 5.2 prophesies Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Now, a little bit about Micah, right? Because a lot of people don't know their history of all the, you know, minor prophets. That's, that's true. <laughs> but just so you guys know, um, Micah identifies his ministry as being during um, the the uh, ministry or the sorry the reign of kings Jotham Ahaz and Hezekiah yes right so um he was a contemporary of of Isaiah right mm-hmm. and he writes his book and and he's kind of pleading with Israel to turn back to God so what we need to understand is if Israel's still a country during mm-hmm. the time Micah's writing this stuff, yeah. It has to be prior to 722 BC because in 722 BC the Israelites were taken into captivity yes, by Assyria, that's right. right? That's right. So we we can say listen, the book of Micah was written before 722 BC. 
Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I think that's safe to say. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so I think that that's a pretty pretty good um, idea. So we'll say mid 700s ish. Uh, the the Book of Mike is written. So that's that's 700 plus years prior to this prophecy coming true. Right. So let's look at this specific prophecy about the specific place Jesus was going to be born. Tyler, will you read Micah 5, 2? Yeah, it says, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Okay. Bethlehem Ephrathah. That's right. Okay. And I have trouble saying Ephrathah. Yeah. Because I always want to say Epathrathah. Yeah, because of the way it's spelled. When you read it, it's like, like the first time I read it, I said Epathrathah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's Ephrathah, right? Yeah. Bethlehem Ephrathah. And now here's the deal. Why didn't he just say Bethlehem? Why Ephrathah? Right? Right, right. It's because... It's specific, right? It's Breaking specific, down those yeah. details. So, like, think mm-hmm. about this. Um, you watch The Simpsons. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. Good yeah. Christians don't watch The Simpsons, Tyler. I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, it's on Disney <laughs> Plus, so I'm like, it was a trick <laughs> question. No. <laughs> so, in, in that in that in that show, aren't they? And I could be wrong about this, but they're from Springfield, right? Yeah. Okay. If 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 there was a prophecy that said, yeah, a guy's gonna be born in Springfield, is that specific? Yeah. Well. But the thing is, though, is what details? Like, yeah, specific? what details? Yeah. Well, how many Springfields are there? That's what I was saying. Because in the show, that's a running joke. Yeah, there's tons of them. They right? don't tell you what what Springfield it is. They just say it's Springfield. Exactly, that's and it's funny saying. because there's like a million Springfields. There are. Yeah. So if I was gonna say, yeah, a guy will be born in a significant person will be born in Springfield, that's not specific, <laughs> right? Because you need to. It's spell very out. likely that could happen. <laughs> yeah, because there's so many Springfields, yeah, right? Yeah. So you need to spell out which Springfield specifically, if you were going to be a good prophet. Right, right. Yeah. So you can't be vague. It's got to be specific. If it's going to be supernatural, it should be specific because you think God would know this stuff. So he yeah. doesn't just say Bethlehem. He says Bethlehem Ephrathah. And that's because there's more than one Bethlehem in Israel. Ah, that's right. Yep. So this is why it's important. There, there was another Bethlehem. It's actually mentioned in Joshua 19:15 yes. and in Judges 12:8 through 10, and it was Bethlehem of Zebulun. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting about Bethlehem of Zebulun is it is in the northern part of Israel, and it's really really close to the city of Nazareth. Mm, now, that's yeah. fascinating because we know Jesus, his family, is he, he grew up in Nazareth, right? Yeah, that's right. So if you were going to say, oh, yeah, he was born in Bethlehem, you, and you were making it up, you would want it to be the Zebulun one because it's really close to Nazareth. Yeah, because that would make the most sense. Yeah. Bethlehem right. uh, Ephrathah isn't close to Nazareth. That's right. It's, it's about not. 80 miles south. Right. Uh, so it's this, this prophecy of Micah is more specific than even just saying Bethlehem or Springfield. Right, he's saying the specific one, which exact one he's talking about, and when he says, you know, you're too little to be among the clans of Judah, he's referring yeah. to a, a historical event that happened in jo- in Joshua when they were um, when they were counting the cities of each region, and Judah is the region that that this that Bethlehem Ephrathah is in, and they were they were um, they were counting all the cities that were there, and it was so insignificant that they didn't even count it. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's nowhere, that's right? right? That's, it's, that's kind of crazy. the idea. It's a yeah. so he couldn't be more specific. He's saying, "Listen, Bethlehem, not any Bethlehem, but Ephrathah, you know, the one that wasn't even counted because it's yeah. so insignificant." But, but the wild again, the wild part about this 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 happened at least before seven twenty two BC. Yeah, that that's so... seven hundred plus years before Jesus was born there. Yet no one living at that time could control w- this. No, because they'd all been dead for yeah for centuries. There's no yeah. way that they could have predicted that that would happen without having divine knowledge. Yeah, and if you were just like a Nostradamus type, you would leave it vague and oh yeah, a ruler will come from the area of the Middle East. You wouldn't put it like yeah yeah the most significant human being to be born will be born in this exact location. Not just any Bethlehem either. Bethlehem, yeah, Ephrathah, Ephrathah. You know the one that wasn't counted among the census back in the day. <laughs> It's very, very specific yes, yeah. as to which one. That's right. So again, I, I think that this is important. And um, the, the, the reason Ephrathah is in the name is because that used to be the name of the city. Uh, we see this in Genesis 35, 16, mm. Genesis 35, 19, um, Genesis 48, 7. Um, it's the older name for that Bethlehem, right? Mm. So Micah prophesies about the specific place. And guess what? Oh, man, that is where Jesus was born. Yeah. Right? (laughs) That's exactly the place he was born. And it was really a specific um, uh, prophecy that everyone at the time actually knew. You remember when the Magi come? Yeah. To to Herod and they they ask him, where's the Messiah to be? Where where is he? Mm -hmm. Where has he been born? We saw a star in the east. And then Herod talks with his guys and they say, well, you know, the Messiah is supposed to be born in Bethlehem of Judea, of Judah. Mm. Um, the specific one, not the Zebulon one, the right. one that's in Judah. Um, they knew that what this meant. It's not vague at all. Yeah, that's <laughs> they right. were no, expecting no, it that is. to be the place. It is, and, and no, that's right, and that's why that these events occurred because the prophecy was that well known. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's look at these uh, uh, New Testament fulfillments of this prophecy. So let me read Matthew two one through six. It says, "Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea." Notice, not Zebulon, right? Bethlehem Mm -hmm. of Judea. In the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived, saying, Where is he to be born, king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what's been written by the prophet. And then they quote, right? And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people. So they know Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be in Bethlehem, Ephrathah, a.k.a. Bethlehem of Judea. That's the specific one. So um, this is the fulfillment of a very, very detailed prophecy. Jesus fulfills it. And and again, what's interesting is um, you can't... You can't choose where you're born. Yeah. I don't know right. if, if you did. Did you choose where you were born? Uh, I mean... Did you direct I, your mother's steps to the right city you wanted to be born in? I don't have any, like, ability to do that. Yeah, so no, no ability, no, no. no understanding <laughs> of even where you were, right? No understanding of what was a cool city or, I'd, I'd like to be born in this city. It's more prestigious. Like, you know, yeah. infants <laughs> don't think that, right? And then the other thing with this, too, is you got to keep thinking about the timing of when the prophecy occurred. It's not like the prophets either, like, or anyone could have had any control over this. No. It's like, uh, they. it was 700 plus years before prior. this occurred. Uh, like, yep. prior, yeah. Uh, and, and it's just insane to see, like, how specific. Yep. Yeah. 
And again, um, would you read Luke 2, 4 through 5? Because this also talks about the specificity of it being Bethlehem of Judea. Yes, yes. It says, Joseph also went up from Galilee, the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register, along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. So both of these passages, Matthew 2, 1 through 6, and Luke 2, 4 through 5, are specific yes. about they were in Bethlehem of Judea, right? Mm-hmm. That's Bethlehem. Ephrathah, that's the one. So again, Jesus' specific birthplace foretold 700 plus years prior to it actually happening. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Sorry, Nostradamus. <laughs> Your vague prophecies don't really match up to how specific this was. I think it's I think it's really significant. I think it's 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 an awesome, awesome thing to see how God is proving himself to us through the miraculous, meaning through prophesying what's going to happen in the future hundreds of years prior to it happening. It's to mm. get our attention, right? And we talked about that. That's the purpose of prophecy is to get our attention so that we can remember uh, that God had said things hundreds of years ago. I mean, yeah. I, I'm so thankful he writes it down, right? Oh, no kidding. It's not just like we're <laughs> supposed to remember what people said. It's written in a book that people can read. Yeah, it's not read. just passed on by word of mouth. Yeah. Like it's just, it's and we can yeah. study and we can know that Micah predated Jesus. So this isn't yeah, like they wrote right. it after the fact to make it look like prophecy. We have manuscripts prior to Jesus' birth that have the Micah 5-2 passage in them. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just an amazing miracle that God has has set up in order that we can trust who he is and and who this Jesus guy is. That's I think that's the biggest point. We can trust who Jesus is. So that's the specific about where Jesus would be born. But now there's another little wrinkle to this whole thing, Tyler. That's and there's right. this idea that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he's not uh he didn't grow up in Bethlehem. Right, right. Right? He grew up in Nazareth of Galilee. Mm. Which is again, way north, eighty miles north of. of it's closer uh, to the other Bethlehem. Bethlehem. It's way closer to the other Bethlehem. Yep. So what 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 is the deal with Jesus being from up north, right? And um, right. is there anything in Scripture that talks about this? Well, there's a really, and I'm going to be honest. This is a weird um, passage in the Gospel of Matthew because Matthew says yes. something that's suspect. And then right. you look at it at face value, and it's you like go, it doesn't this make sense. Be. It doesn't make any sense. So um, let me read this Matthew 2 21 through 23. Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and they came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Mm, yeah. Okay. Now, Matthew has a lot of these um, um, quotes of Old Testament prophets and saying this was to fulfill, you know, the right. virgin will be with child. Yeah, that's right. Call his name Emmanuel. He quotes the prophets it's all the time to show how Jesus is fulfilling prophecy, right? But this one is very odd because the, he says he shall be called a Nazarene. Yeah. But what's the problem with this, Tyler? Well, that's the thing. There's not an Old Testament prophecy that says the Messiah would be called a Nazarene or, or from Nazareth. Yeah, not one. 
None of them, yeah. Oh, does that mean Matthew messed up? Does that mean Matthew's not inspired by God? Does that mean this is well, wrong? Well, at first is that glance, what you're saying, Tyler? at first glance, <laughs> it looks like it could be. It does, doesn't it? That's right. It does. There, it, you're, you're absolutely right. There is no Old Testament prophecy that says he shall be called a Nazarene. Yeah, not that's interesting. And it's one. Like all the other things that he writes about and he gets right, but this one, why does he say that? Yeah. That's the question. Why does he say yeah. that? What's going on here? And that's what we want to take a little deeper dive into, right? So specific about being born in Bethlehem. And Matthew gets that right in the quotations, right? Yeah, that's right. But this one, he shall be called a Nazarene. What in the world is going on here? Well, first we want to look a little bit about uh, and talk about Nazareth, right? So mm-hmm. Nazareth is in the region of Galilee. It's northern Israel. Um, and it's not really the best place to be from in the first century, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a prestigious town. It's like uh, – it's the sticks. It's, yeah. it's hillbilly territory. It's, it's not Jerusalem. Right, right. right. It's, 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 it's a backwards place to be from. And that's where Jesus grew up. Um, now, we even see that Jesus' disciples didn't think Nazareth was that great of a place, yeah, right? That's right? Do you want to read John 1, 45 through 46? Yeah, of course. And it says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Then Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. Yeah, so Nathaniel is like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, are you serious? Right? Can anything good come out can of Nazareth? Can anything good come from out of there? Yeah, I'm trying to think of what would be a good example of this in our country today. Right. Like, what's a what's a sketchy uh, uh, what's a sketchy area of our country that uh, people would be like, that's not a good place to be from? Well, a lot of people think think. Uh... I mean, Detroit's run down. I'm trying to think of cities that are... Can anything good come out of inner city Detroit, right? Or can anything good come out of Compton, California? Yeah, yeah. That kind of an idea, right? Yeah, yeah. That's not the best place to be from. Um, It's not prestigious. It's not known for, you know, high education or, uh, you know, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Or like any other low... Like... uh, low-income city that you can think of. It's yeah. like, yeah, with a lot of crime. And yeah, that's kind of the idea. Yeah, those Nathaniel's like, Nazareth, you sure, Philip, you want to follow a dude from Nazareth? Can anything, like, are you serious? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> no, I, I think that's place. a good, good way to describe it. Yeah, so even one of Jesus' disciples doubts he can be the Messiah based on he's from Nazareth. Yeah, wrong place right. to be from, right? <laughs> now, there's another passage that kind of shows how this region was looked down on. Uh, and I want to read this. This is John seven forty through 52. It's a little lengthy, but it's really an interesting passage about where Jesus is from. So John seven forty through 52. It says, Some of the people, therefore, when they heard these words, were saying, This certainly is the prophet. Others were saying, this is the Christ. Still others were saying, surely the Christ is not going to come from Galilee, is he? See? We see it right there. (laughs) This can't be him, man. He can't come from Galilee. Verse uh, 42. Has not the scripture said the Christ comes from the descendants of David and from Bethlehem, the village where David was? (laughs) Now that's a good question, right? Yeah. Because they're right. He's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. From out of Bethlehem will come forth, right? Yeah, that's right. So they're right. And they're going, this dude is not from Bethlehem. He's from Nazareth. What they didn't know was that he was born in Bethlehem. Right? And remember then he had to flee and escape to Egypt. 
because they were killing all the babies in Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. Then he comes back, and they go up to Nazareth. So interesting. Verse 43 says, So a division occurred in the crowd because of him. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one laid hands on him. The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, Never has a man spoken the way this man speaks. Hmm. The Pharisees then answered them, You have not also been led astray, have you? No one of the rulers or Pharisees has believed in him, has he? But this crowd, which does not know the law, is accursed. Hmm. Nicodemus, who had came to him before being one of them, said to them, Our law does not judge a man unless it first hears from him and knows what he is doing, does it? And they answered him, You are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. <laughs> so the Pharisees are like, Nicodemus, yeah. you don't like this guy, do you? Are you from that small town? Like, are you serious, man? There's no scripture. There's nowhere that says a prophet's going to come from Galilee. Yeah, right? It's that's right. So, it's looked down on, right? The people. So Nathaniel thinks, can anything good come out of that place? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the people go, he can't be from Galilee, right? And then the Pharisees say, there's not going to arise a prophet out of Galilee. Yeah, it, it's just people are saying that this this is not right. Like, he sh the king should not come from this lowly place. No, it's not the place to be from. It's not prestigious. It's looked down upon. Yeah. So, okay, now we know a little bit about Nazareth and about the region and about how right. people viewed it back then. But what is the deal with Matthew saying, the prophets said he'll be called a Nazarene? Right. I what think, is going on here? Yeah, and you see, notice there's a key term in this. In the Matthew passage. In the Matthew, Matthew right. passage. He says prophets. It's plural. Prophets. Prophets. Plural. Why is this significant? Yeah, this is significant because this is the only place that Matthew uses the plural for prophets instead of singular prophet. That's right. So that would imply that he's talking about prophets, multiple prophets, not just one. Not just one. Because like we said before, it, oftentimes what he would say in these, he would say, like, as the prophet said, and he would quote a specific prophecy, like he right? he quote Isaiah or he quote Micah. Right, right. Yeah. Typically when he talks about a prophecy, he quotes the prophet, I mean, like directly, he, yep. he quotes it directly. But this time he says it plurally, the prophets. prophets. Yeah, like the prophets said. Now, um, right. this is called good observation, Tyler. No, <laughs> really? for real. What's that? Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> whenever we're reading scripture, this is honestly, this is a step in uh, interpreting scripture. Or it is. In, in, it is. In Bible study methods that people skip all the time. It's called observation. You're just right. looking at a passage and you say, okay, what's there? Not what does this mean? Not how do I apply it to my life? You have to start with what right. is there, and you're saying there's an S on the end of prophet, which makes it plural. Yeah. Simple to observe, but significant when we start to look into it. It because is, you're yeah. right. Matthew, no other place uses prophets Yeah, and no in no other plural. place. Yeah. That's right. When he's, when he's talking about Old Testament prophecies, it's always a specific prophet. So here he says prophets— which this can make us, um, I, th I think, conclude that he's summarizing what multiple prophets said, not a single prophecy. Yeah. He's yeah. summarizing what a lot of them had talked about. Yeah. And that, then to it, kind of um, give an idea of what we're talking about when we say this, it's uh, and give an explanation to what we mean, is that we see in some of the prophet, uh, prophecies that they couple together 
what Matthew would conclude is them saying that he would come from a lowly place such as Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and this is, I want to go back to this passage in Matthew because it's really significant. Yeah. Um, in the New American Standard Bible version that, that I like to use, mm-hmm. um, when it says he shall be called a Nazarene, it puts that in quotes, right? There's quotation mm, okay. marks. You see that? Yeah. And so what's interesting about this is when, when I read it in English, it looks like Matthew is quoting a specific sentence from a specific prophet. Yeah. But in Greek, there are no quotation marks. Mm. Not just yeah. in this passage. There aren't, they don't have quotation marks. Like they don't exist. So you have to – yeah. So you, you have to write in such a way that people would know you're quoting something. Mm. And so if you look at it throughout the New Testament, they'll say things like, as it was written in Scripture – Mm-hmm. And then they quote because that's like a – it's tipping you off that they're going to quote something. It's like a verbal Because they don't – yeah, they have to mark. say that they're about to quote something. Yeah. Otherwise – Yeah. Or you know, yeah. or like James and Paul even will say stuff like, um, you know, someone may say, meaning mm-hmm. I'm going to say something. I'm going to quote something that someone might bring up. Yeah. And then they quote it and then they have to let you know when the quote's over. And they'll say things like, you fool – or do you not know you you know yeah you something to cut man. it off yeah and they're letting you know quotes over I'm coming back in in this passage there really isn't anything like that describing mm-hmm. that this is an actual Old Testament quotation all it says is that he lived in this in a city called Nazareth this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets he shall be called a Nazarene. Right? He doesn't say mm. what was written. He says spoken, what was said, right, through the prophets, that it'll be called a Nazarene. That's right. Yeah. So we put the quotes around it in English, but there aren't quotes around it in Greek, and I don't think there's really a good um, um, verbal quotation indicator there. Yeah. And I don't so, think so either. Like you were saying, I think that Matthew is he's not quoting a specific passage. He's mm-hmm. summarizing a specific idea that a lot of the prophets talked about. Yeah. I think, so I think now, that's right. Now we have to ask, well, what is this what is the specific idea, right? What what is he trying to communicate by saying the prophets told us that this would be who he was? Yeah, especially if there's not a specific quote. Yeah, so what is he even getting after, and how does Nazareth play into what he's talking about? Right, right. Right? And so so with that, we have actually a couple of Old Testament prophecies that we believe lines up with what Matthew is saying here. Yeah, you want to read the first one? Yes. So in Isaiah 53, verse 3, it says, He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Yep. Think think about that. Think about that for a second. Yeah, it says he was despised and forsaken. And again, part of it, despised, we did not esteem him. Yeah, we didn't esteem him. He he wasn't anything special. Right. And then he literally wasn't something great, great man. He wasn't uh, obviously. You know, a king. Yeah, they were saying that. We, we, like we said earlier, like we literally have quotes of them saying, uh, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yeah. Because like, he wasn't held in high esteem. You that, mean right? he was despised? He was despised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that seems right. like what all these people are saying. Like, a prophet doesn't come out of Galilee. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Right? Yeah, yeah. That's not very well esteemed. Not high esteemed. It's not. And that, that was a prophecy. 
Yeah, it was. So I think, like, like what we're saying here is that Matthew's not quoting an Old Testament passage saying Jesus was, it, the prophet said he shall be called a Nazarene. Mm. What he's saying is there was a lot of prophecies about how this guy would be called whatever derogatory term. Yeah. Right? He, he would be called podunk he would be called uneducated he'd be called a hillbilly he'd be called from the sticks he'd be he's not a high esteemed person and in their culture nazarene was that type of a term to say this guy's a nobody yeah and i think that is what matthew's getting at there are other that's the idea yeah there's other prophecies that that allude to this um i want to read zechariah 9 9 Mm -hmm. says rejoice greatly o daughter of zion shout in triumph o daughter of jerusalem behold your king is coming to you he is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So it says that the king's coming, but he's humble, and he doesn't ride in on the most beautiful horse. He <laughs> rides in on a donkey, right? Yeah. This is low esteem. This isn't highfalutin, glorious entrance, what a king would come in with his train of servants being carried on a pedestal, right? No, the dude rides in on a common donkey, the thing that hauls stuff around. Yeah. Right? That's right, yeah. It's, it's just crazy to see. Like, like it's very clear, like the picture that we're getting now. Yeah. That it's like, no, he, he wasn't specifically saying, yeah, that he'll come from Nazareth, this place. He was saying... He's going to, like, at, the prophets were predicting that he would be someone that was considered lowly. Lowly, humble, not from a prestigious, you know, family necessarily, not, not um, wealthy, right? Yeah. That's the picture that gets painted. You even then, see how Paul talks about this, right, in, in um, Philippians 2. Yeah. He says that Jesus didn't consider, you know, um, godliness something to be grasped, but he humbled himself and took on the form of a servant. That's right. Slave, right? And so this, this Paul's alluding to that. Yeah, it he's does. saying he didn't come in an, a braggadocious, outright, um, amazing way. He came in a lowly, humble way. And we see he was born yeah. in, a, in, a, in a stable, right? Well, that's the thing. It's, it's helping establish the greater picture here mm-hmm. with the fact that he was from Nazareth. Because yep. he's, he's not just humbling himself as a servant. He's humbling himself also by coming from a lowly upbringing. Yeah, a place that's despised and yeah. nobody thinks anything of. And that's what Matthew's talking about. He's saying the prophets alluded to this. They, they told us in yeah, a, in a right. bunch of different ways, that, yeah, he'd be Nazarene. Yeah. Uh, He's not like, quoting, that's right? Does that make sense? I, I want people to see this because that mm-hmm. is a passage that gets brought up of he's lying. There's no place in the Old Testament. And to be honest, there's not any even any place in the Apocrypha that says yeah. he'd be called a Nazarene. So people a lot of times will, again, to bring them back the term, throw shade at Christians <laughs> <laughs> in order yeah. to say, see, the, he, Matthew got it wrong. He doesn't even know what the Old Testament says. No, he does. It just he's not quoting a specific passage. Yeah, he's summarizing right. a message that a lot of the prophets had. Yeah, and then with that, we we see like other passages too, and it goes. We could go on, but even in uh, Psalm twenty two six, uh, it says, uh, "But I am a worm and not a man, a reproach of men, and despised by the people." Like, yeah. like just uh, this this whole idea around him is that he would be despised. Yep, that's the thing. And so, and if you were to see someone like as evidence basically of this prophecy being fulfilled wouldn't you think that 
him coming out of a place like Nazareth would be a fulfillment of that prophecy. Because the yes. thing is, he's he's coming out of a lowly place yep. that is despised, and then they despise his character for it, and just who he is just because of where he is from. Yep. And now what's interesting, yeah. too, Tyler, is if if those are the things prophesied about him, that he would be humble, <laughs> lowly, despised, if he grew up and was only from Bethlehem, would that have applied to him? Probably well, not, No, because right? that wasn't considered the same level of Yeah, that, I mean, yeah. that's the city of David. There's a little bit, you know, even though it might have been small and stuff, yeah. it's, it's it's talked about. It's it's all right. It's got some history behind it, yeah. Yeah, but Nazareth of Galilee, ugh. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I think the fact that how God orchestrated the life of Jesus, being born in the specific place in Bethlehem, but also fulfilling this idea of a humble, despised, lowly, worm-type dude— from nowhere prestigious that people thought anything of. Um, it's amazing yeah. that that he really was th- those things. Fulfilled <laughs> yeah, prophecy, right? Yeah, and so it's just just like Matthew said, it's as the prophets had said. Yep, the prophets have said. So I think that the Bible is just unreal in how specific it is about who Jesus would be. And yeah. then we see him fulfill these very things, right? Yeah. I love that right. we see that his disciples don't think he's anything special because of where he's from, yeah. right? I think that that's hilarious. <laughs> like it is, one of it the guys funny. who follows him doesn't think he's that good. Like there's so much humor just alone in that statement when he says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Mm-hmm. Like, like uh, That's just so funny to me. And because the thing is, there's some truth to that because you see yeah. it's like, wow, like like that's where our, the Savior came from. He Do came you know from... anyone else from Nazareth, Tyler? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I Joseph. don't. Joseph. I don't even Mary, know being but... mentioned that much in other no, places. No, not really. Like, no. It's, it's nothing. That's the thing. It's just like, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's because it's, that's the thing. It's only famous because that's the town where Jesus was from. Exactly. But there's nothing else famous out of that. No. No, not at all. Yeah. So the Bible is specific in its prophecies about where Jesus would be born and about where he would be brought up. Yeah. Right? I think we can put those two things together. It's very specific about those things. Matthew isn't misinformed when he says the prophets spoke about this, that he would be called a Nazarene. Mm -hmm. He's just not quoting a specific place, uh, quoting a specific passage. He's summarizing a lot of different messages that the prophets said he'd be despised, lowly, humble. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense, right? But we need to be careful in reading our Bible, and we need to look... Um, and observe well yes. what's being said before we start to interpret what it means. That always leads um, down a, a bad path. We need to slow down a little bit and, and really dig in deep to yeah, what's there. Yeah, and that goes that that actually goes back to to the um, some of the tactics we talked about in past episodes about dealing with doubts. Um, you, even when you come across something like this that m- might at first glance look like he's incorrect, you you need to slow down and mm-hmm. observe what the passage is actually saying. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes we can get worked up over something that is nothing. I mean, in fact, actually, it's something great. Like, yeah. that's the thing is, you got to look at this passage and read at first glance. It looks like some may think, oh, my gosh, this is a horrible mistake. But then when you study it and research and understand the meaning behind what Matthew's saying, mm-hmm. it, it's actually something that enhances the gospel. Absolutely. If you think about it. Because like, the thing is, is like, it enhances the buildup of the mm-hmm. prophecies leading up to his upbringing. And that just kind of gives you a bigger picture of yep. the overall story of Jesus. No, it totally does. And man, there's been so many times in my life where <clears throat> I've read something or I've heard an argument against Christianity, 
you know, by smart people. Yeah. And it panics me a little, right? At first you go, oh man, is that true? Oh no, what's going on? <laughs> and I have to like shake myself out and go, hold on, hold on. God has proven himself true over and over again. The Bible's been around for 2,000 years. This can't be the first time somebody saw this, right? Yeah. And you go, let's, let's investigate it. If God really is who he says he is, he can hold up to me looking into things. Right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> He's way wiser than me and way, right? That's who he claims to be. And if that's the case, I can, I can press hard into what's true and I can look at things and I can study deep and I shouldn't be afraid um, to discover the truth. I should be excited to discover the truth. Yeah. And every time that I do, God proves himself to be who he says he is. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. As Christians, we don't have to be afraid of what we'll find. We just need to go wherever the truth leads. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a fun, right. adventurous life, you know? Yeah, it's it's super cool. And um, uh, it just, it's a great experience to take a passage like this and to discover that there's more meaning behind just the yep. surface level. It is. Yeah. Well, hey, this has been fun. And again, the reason we do it is to uh, equip Christians mm-hmm. to be confident in their faith and to be able to defend their faith. And like we said last yeah. week, this time of year, people are really open to uh, hearing about Jesus and talking about things. I I had a great experience this morning. I was at um, a coffee shop, and I was talking with the barista there. And uh, I, Tyler and I told her about our podcast a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. And so she, I didn't tell you this, actually. No, that's So cool. she told me, she's like, hey, I listened to your podcast about really? Jesus and where what family he was going to be from, right? Oh, that's cool. And yeah. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. And um, we got to talk a little bit about um, the the manuscripts and the evidence we have and apologetics. And she said, yeah, I really like looking into the facts of of what's out there. And I was like, that's wow. exactly what yeah. we should be doing. It was a cool conversation. That's great. And so people are open to talk about this stuff at this time of year. It's on their minds. People are yeah. hearing songs about Jesus right now more than they yeah, do and it's the so, rest of the year. And it's so natural. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like some Sometimes I think we get a little uh, worked up and we're thinking that you don't want to stir the pot or make things... Stir it. Stir- <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah but, uh, I mean, we put... <laughs> Just go and stir the pot. Make... Yeah. Make... make, make a statement share the truth with people and because and this is the time to do it because uh, it's on everybody's mind it is they're already thinking towards it so yeah talk yeah. to people it's exciting it's fun don't just like we said you know in the past couple episodes don't just get fat on apologetics we need to use them yeah. We need to be reaching people. We need to be caring about people enough to share truth with them. That's the whole point of this passage. So if you've got cool experiences, if you've had some cool conversations, um, we want to hear about it, right? Yeah. Drop us an instant message or just comment on a on a post we put up, anything. We'd love to hear from you about how you're going out and you're using truth to impact your generation to know Jesus and to serve Jesus. That is what it's all about. Yeah. Thanks so much for being with us today on Christ, Culture, and Coffee. Have a great Christmas. Have a great holiday season. Go out and reach people for Jesus. And we'll be back next week with more Messianic Prophecy for Christmas. Thanks for listening to Christ, Culture, and Coffee. If you liked this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to help us reach more people.